Well, I just wanted to touch on the importance of the ascension tonight. And uh, we were looking at it the last two weeks, the period of 40 days between his resurrection and uh, the ascension, and then 10 days from the ascension to the day of Pentecost, making a total of 50. And of course, all those numbers are significant, but not just significant for significance sake, but 40 was a time of preparation. Jesus was establishing another generation. And uh, it was the generation of Jesus Christ. And so he began his ministry with 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted. He ended his ministry 40 days, appearing with convincing proofs to his disciples over that period of time. Uh, Many miracles happened. He was teaching them about the kingdom. And of course, he was establishing faith because they had to begin to relate to him by faith, not physically any longer. And so that was an important transition period. But then on the day that we are remembering today, Jesus took them up onto the mount and then he ascended into heaven. It's very interesting that Matthew's gospel does not mention the ascension, but he does mention the commission. Mark's gospel says this. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That's Mark 16. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen, says Mark. And so Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit to put that verse after his ascension to show that Jesus was very much alive and still present with them because he worked with them. Luke says this, and he led them out as far as to Bethany. And listen to this. This is not in the record and it's not in Mark's gospel. But he says this, he led them out as far as Bethany and then he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. Isn't that awesome? That every time Jesus had the opportunity, he would bless his disciples. And you know, that verse, it touched my heart when I was researching again yesterday on the ascension. And then, of course, today. And it just kind of reminds me of Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we were also chosen. And so we can carry on. And so that, that verse in the gospel where he lifted his hands and blessed them immediately connects us to what Paul said. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so it was a continuation of. And so Peter says that our salvation is kept in heaven and it's incorruptible. It's protected for us because Jesus is there. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews that our hope goes behind the curtain to where Jesus is, and it's an anchor for our souls. And so there's so much. I mean, it's powerful. Every one of those is a sermon. You can tell I'm enjoying it. But he blessed them. Amen. So tonight I want to bless you. Amen. Speak blessing over you. May he bless you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Amen. All things are yours, says the Apostle Paul. He said, you are already kings. And so God is such a good God. And then, of course, John 16, verse 28, it says this. It doesn't record the ascension, but Jesus mentioned it. And he said, 
I came forth from the Father and I'm coming to the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And the disciples were going, no, no, they couldn't understand. And so they said, now you're speaking plainly. At last they understood it. But here's the record. It's described in Acts chapter 1 by Luke 6 to 11. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So it's one of the things that Jesus had to speak to them about, the things of the kingdom over the 40 days. They still didn't get it, but listen to what Jesus said. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What Jesus was doing directly, but they didn't get it, he was answering their question about the kingdom the kingdom coming will come with power in you when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And then he said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will testify to the resurrection. You will preach the good news. People will get born again. And that is the kingdom. It's not a political earthly order any longer. It's a spiritual order. It's called the kingdom of God. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men, two men, two men, two men. So when you hear preachers say two angels, just remind them it was two men. And it's highly likely it was Moses and Elijah because it was the same two men that appeared with him on the Mount of Transfiguration talking about his exodus. Is that okay? And then they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. So I remember the day Prophet Quibus got a revelation on this. He said he came from the spirit in his glorified body into a physical body. He left a physical glorified body back into the spirit. So he's going to come back the same way that he left. In other words, he's going to come back spirit. Is that okay? And so part of that was fulfilled in the day of Pentecost, but it's got a fuller implication one day when he will appear to those that love him. Amen. But he will not come back physical Jesus. He'll come back spiritual Jesus. Is that good? Amen. And so some of the things that, you know, we need to mention is the fact that, you know, the ascension of Jesus brings a challenge that the birth of Jesus doesn't bring. And uh, I found this in the study. But anyway, so from Bethlehem to the Mount of Olives, we see Jesus' earthly existence. But he existed before then, and the ascension shows us that he still exists after the ascension. And so there were three glories. He had the glory as the Son of God before the incarnation. He had the glory as God manifest in the flesh. And, of course, he had the glory of the exalted Son of God in a glorified body after the resurrection. So today we celebrate the ascension. And I was just doing some research, and I found this one theologian says this. He said, it's amazing in our Western countries that we don't celebrate Easter, and particularly the Ascension either, like we celebrate Christmas. And he gives his reasons, and I quite like his reasons. He says, why is it that Christmas and Easter are such big deals in our culture, but Ascension and Pentecost are largely ignored? The reason is because Christmas and Easter do not confront people with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. His ascension does. Christmas is the easiest to accept. It's just a sweet little baby born in a manger. Nothing there to confront us. We've come to terms with the fact that this baby in the manger is really God incarnate, but that's about as far as it goes. It's easy to sentimentalize and ignore, 
because it's baby Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Nothing there to make me take stock of my life. Easter is a little tougher. It confronts us with the unmistakable fact that Jesus is who he said he is, the son of the living God. Easter means we have to believe in Jesus. We have to believe that he is real and that he rose from the dead. So to avoid the confrontation of it, we make it cute with bunnies, Easter eggs, and pastel colors. These are not wrong, but they make Easter more palatable, especially the Easter eggs, the chocolates. And they're very nice on the hot cross buns. For us, the real Easter, for us, the real Easter makes us to come to terms with the reality of Jesus. We must believe in him because which other leader has ever risen from the dead? None. So the ascension now demands even more. Because we are asked not only to believe, but it now challenges us to take stock of our lives and to do what is right. Because the ascension of Jesus means that now Jesus is Lord over everything. You are not Lord. Your feelings are not Lord. The government, the wealthy, the powerful, they are not Lord. COVID is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so this is the first of the Christian feasts that requires us to take stock of our lives and respond to the ever-present reality of the Lordship of Christ in our lives and over our world. That's Tim LaCroix. So just very quickly, some reasons for the ascension, and then I'm going to slow down a little bit, just a little bit. Is that okay? Number one, redemption was accomplished. It was finished. Is that okay? In the sense that Redemption could not be complete until he had poured out the Holy Spirit. And we see it in some of the rituals in the Old Testament that, for example, the cleansing of the leper, blood would be applied to the right ear, right thumb, and the right toe of the one to be cleansed. Then immediately afterwards, anointing oil from the log was to be placed at the same place. In other words, this is my interpretation of it. The oil can only anoint where the blood has cleansed. And that's why Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come to you. The world cannot receive him. Is that okay? So the reason for the blood was so the Spirit may be given. So we could receive the Spirit. The reason for the blood was so the Spirit could be given. If it was just the blood, we still would be no better than the Old Testament sacrifice because we would be declared righteous, but we would be incapable of living out that righteousness. We could not live for Christ. God would have been so unfair to send Jesus, for Jesus to do all the miracles, for him to leave, and he says, right, you go and do the same as I do without giving us the same spirit that was in Christ by which he did the works. Amen. So it was necessary that the blood cleansed first, then the spirit could come. Is that okay? And so salvation was not complete until the spirit was given. That's why in John chapter 20, when they met in the upper room, Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Malachi 2.5 said that he reserved some of his spirit because he wanted a godly offspring. Because when he created man in the beginning and gave them the law, they could not live you know, the right way. They were powerless. They weren't able to do it. But God had retained some of his breath to breathe into the second Adam people, you know, the Christ people. And so he breathed in and the church was born when he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? And so on the day of Pentecost, it then came in general to 120 believers representative of everybody. 
And so salvation was complete. I mean, that's absolutely mission accomplished. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, Peter confronts the, the hearers, the Jews, and he tells them, you know, just, you know, they were hiding away in a room for fear of the Jews. Then he goes fishing, and then Jesus reinstates him. Then he receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The same people that a little while ago, 40, 50 days ago, that he was running away from and hiding from, he now stands up and he says, you crucified Christ. You crucified the Lord of glory. And he says, but this that you see and hear now, the speaking in tongues and hearing us giving praises to God in your own language is evidence that Christ in Acts chapter 2 from about verse 32 onwards, verse 36, he says, God has now made this Jesus Christ whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And he has now received the Holy Spirit. He's poured out what you now see and hear. Isn't that awesome? And so salvation, in a sense, was completed. But it also became um, a situation where Jesus became our high priest forever. It's very interesting, isn't it? And so, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a high priest. And in the New Testament, there's a high priest. And he's uh, well explained in the book of Hebrews, and especially Hebrews chapter 7. Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, an eternal priesthood. He intercedes for us. I mean, it's just so powerful. Every one of these is a message, and I've got to just skip it and go on. But read the book of Hebrews, because Hebrews covers a lot of it. But then he continues as our intercessor. And I mean, that blessed me when I realized that when Jesus turned around and said to Peter, he was actually, if you look at it in the, it's plural, he was actually talking to all of the disciples when he said Peter, but he was talking to all of them, but he named Peter especially, Peter, Peter twice. And uh, he said, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. That word you is plural. And when he said Satan has sought to sift you you as wheat, that is plural. So he was saying, Satan has asked permission to sift all of you disciples, Peter. He said, but I've prayed for you, all of you, Peter. And so he said, when you turn, go and strengthen your brothers. And so, you know, Jesus was always praying. And the incredible thing about it, he continues on the basis of an eternal priesthood. And Hebrews tells us he ever lives, ever lives to intercede for us. Now, you can read that two ways. Are you ready? Number one, he ever lives to intercede means that forever and ever and ever he's interceding for us. But the other thing is he ever lives to intercede for us. In other words, his whole purpose now is intercession for us. And his purpose for us is intercession for eternity. It's awesome to know that when you're going through things and nobody else knows and you think you're all alone and you're facing this battle alone, you are not because, number one, the Holy Spirit is in you. And number two, your eternal high priest who identifies with you, is touched by the feelings of your infirmity, ever lives to make intercession for you. Amen? So you can get up off the floor, wipe the snot off your nose, the tears out of your eyes, stop feeling sorry for yourself, and thank God that Jesus is interceding for you. Open your mouth and start to go, and you will find that the Holy Spirit in you is praying for you as well. Amen? Say, I'm not alone. So he's our high priest. Is that good? And then he's our intercessor. And then, of course, we established it now when I read that a little while ago, is that there is claims to lordship. 
okay? When he rose from the dead, he had conquered death. Jesus conquered everything successfully throughout his entire ministry. He conquered sickness and sin, sin and sickness, because he never sinned and he was never sick. Amen? He conquered death, our last enemy. He had authority over nature. He had authority in the spiritual realm. He could command angels. He could order demons out. He had authority over people. But when he ascended, he became Lord of all. Is that okay? And that's why Paul says that the time will come when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Okay? So every knee in heaven and on earth and even under the earth shall bow to the Lordship of Jesus. We have volunteered. Amen? So it won't be something that we will be forced to do. But we bow our knees voluntarily. So established the Lordship of Jesus. And then, of course, he was able to pour out the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know the amazing thing that God made this Jesus whom they crucified both Lord and Christ, the anointed one, he didn't just pour out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He didn't just pour out the Holy Spirit on you the day you received your baptism in the Holy Spirit. He continues to minister the Spirit to us all the time, every single day. Amen? Every time you get filled in worship, every time, whatever. And I know, and you know, a lot of people get caught up in the semantics of it. I know the Holy Spirit is in you, but we leak a lot. Amen. And we need fresh infillings. Is that okay? And, and every now and then, it's good to get a fresh infilling. And just like this evening in the worship, it's awesome just to get into the worship and you experience, you know, the Holy Spirit is in, but it's awesome to experience the Holy Spirit upon. Is that okay? The anointing comes upon. You know, it shows that there's two directions. You know, you can't describe everything in limited human language. So he's in you, but he also comes upon you. I praise God for the fact that he regularly comes upon me. Amen? That he regularly fills me up. Okay? So don't get caught up. You know, you know people get really stupid about it. Yeah, he doesn't come on, he's in you. A big deal, you know? So what? Grow up, read the Bible, you know? God pours him upon, he fills you up from within. You know, it's just it's so difficult to explain spiritual things. You know what I'm saying? So in upon, good. So he continues to minister the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but the gift of his presence. I think I said it last year or 2019, whenever. But I said that his ascension did not signify his absence. It signified his personal presence with us. Because when he was limited to a human body, he could not be with everyone all the time. When he was with Peter, he could not be with Matthew. When he was with Matthew, he could not be with Luke. But now that he's ascended, he's glorified, and he's gone back spirit into the spirit, he can be with us all, personally, individually, all of the time. He went from limited to unlimited. Is that okay? And so the ascension signifies the gift of his presence with us continually. And then the other thing is the gift of the great expectation, because Moses and Elijah said that the way he's left, the same way he will come back.
And uh, so he will come back. But what he experienced, we will experience when our bodies are glorified. Is that okay? If we go to be with the Lord before he returns, before he appears, we will come back with him glorified and be reunited to resurrected bodies on the day of the resurrection, which will then be transformed into glorified bodies. But if he appears before then, mortals shall put on immortality. Is that okay? The other way around is corruption will put on incorruption. Okay, so we are expecting him, amen? amen? But something that I wanted to just touch on and just to remind us, we're living in a rather strange world at this point in time. I believe petrol is going up again. And I don't know if you look on Facebook, there's some really good jokes. It's one thing about South Africans, they've got an incredible sense of humor, yep. you know? And so I saw on Facebook this little it's not a meme, it's, I suppose it's like a cartoon thing. But it says, give her something really precious and costly. And there's a young man on his knees, and he's giving his girlfriend five liters of petrol. <laughs> so, so, you know, it could be a loaf of bread or whatever. But it's just really amazing. We did not realize the implications of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine you know, where the Ukraine is actually the breadbasket of the whole world and supplies 60, 70% of the world's wheat. And we didn't know that. And so um, shortages, I mean, whenever did you think that you would hear of shortages of baby formula in America, for example, the military would have to fly in special baby formula and things like this. I'm not trying to depress you by repeating what you listen to all the time and it's what confronts you. But, um, you know, everybody that I listen to go like, um, that's amazing, the cost of food is just soaring. Well, you know, it's directly related, you know, to the price of fuel. And the, the fuel just keeps getting hiked, and then, of course, everything goes up. And the strange thing, I just don't understand it, because, you know, there's a theory, what goes up must come down, except in South Africa, you know, <laughs> because the prices of food go up, petrol comes down, and the, those prices don't come down, you know. And so, you know, we, we're living in extraordinary times, and some people are really fearing, you know, a further war and, and this kind of thing. But one of the things, or a couple of things that for me, the ascension speaks about practically to me is that for us, we can take great comfort out of the fact that just like Jesus, he finished the course that was set for him. He accomplished exactly the purpose the Father had sent him to do. He accomplished it. He had done it. And this is what he was communicating all the time to the disciples. It's written about me. This is written about me. I'm, this has got to happen. And so to the detail and exact to the second on the clock of God, you know, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And everything was um, second perfect, spot on perfect. Everything coincided with so many of the feasts of Israel. And uh, the sacrifices and the, you know, the harvest and all of this kind of thing. It's a, just an intense study on its own. But it just synchronized. It just fulfilled everything. Every type, every shadow, every, you know, prophetic look forward to was completely fulfilled in Jesus. Maybe. Perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. And right on time, he rose from the dead. Right on time, you know, he ascended into heaven. Right on time, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Exactly. Jesus fulfilled. It says about David that he fulfilled all that God had intended for him in his generation. Amen. And so, for me, the ascension gives us hope that if we walk with God, we will fulfill our purposes in our generation for God. Amen. 
Paul said it. He said, Christ has taken a hold of me. You know, or I've taken a hold of Christ for that which he took a hold of me. You know, as he went on in life, he said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Then he said, and now there is later for me a crown of righteousness that he will give to all that love his appearing. And so, so for me, I take incredible comfort out of the fact that Jesus accomplished everything the Father had set for him. Amen? Amen. And so it sets a really good example for all of us. You will fulfill everything Christ has chosen you for. The purpose, the plan that God has selected you for, you will bring it about, you will fulfill it if we walk with the Lord. Is that okay? And uh, so all of our plans and purposes, our futures. So I just need to read a verse or two. Philippians says this, chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm reading it from the Message Bible. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind, says Paul to the Philippians, that the God who started this great work in you will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing end on the very day Jesus Christ appears. Isn't that awesome? That's in the Message Bible. So there's never been the slightest doubt in my mind. So I don't doubt it. The great work that he started in me, he'll keep at it. Live stream, I can't hear you. Enjoy. <laughs> keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Woo! On the very day of Jesus Christ appears. Amen. And so God is working with you. And very often we think that the stuff that we go through is not part of the plan. You know, God might not intend it, but God certainly does use it. Is that all right? And God is pruning. God is training. God is raising you. Is that all right? God is making you stronger. And so, so for me, uh, the ascension shows me that I can fulfill the plan that God has for me, the purpose God has for me. Amen? And I'm not letting go of God until that happens. Is that okay? I'm going to pursue God relentlessly. I'm going to chase Him down. I'm going to eagerly desire. I'm not going to stop believing in, laying a hold of. You know, I'm going to keep pressing in for miracles, signs, wonders. You know, I'm going to keep going, still keep writing, keep preaching, keep doing whatever. Because I need to finish what God has called me to do. So which tells me that I have got, got a predictable future. In a sense, you know. In other words, Jeremiah 29 says that God has got, in some translations, plans of hope, plans for a future. And one says a determined end, a predetermined end. And so, you know, sometimes we worry about our future. We worry about what is ahead because of the unpredictability of life and uncertainty of life. But hey, the ascension shows me that God is a certain God. Amen. God is a sure God. God is a reliable God. God is a trustworthy God. God is a faithful God. And God is a powerful God, and He can bring me through into everything that is laid up in the future. And uh, we need not lay awake at night, tossing and turning, worrying about the days ahead, because we have a God, the same God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who could take Him through many attempted assassinations. You know, at first the devil tried to get behind Him and push him too fast and then the devil would get in front of him and try and stop him and the devil would raise people up to try and kill him but because it wasn't his time he would walk through the crowd when they wanted to throw him off the hill amen when they wanted to promote him as an earthly king he slipped away because that was not the way he was going to become king when he was on the brink of the crucifixion, the devil comes and, you know, tests him in different ways, even in the temptation in the wilderness, offering him the kingdoms of the world, a shortcut to the kingdom of the world if he will just sin, bow down and worship me. But he went the route. Is that okay? Yeah. 
So your future is secure in God. Is that okay? I love what John Wesley said. He said, I'm immortal until my work is done. Let's just believe for immortality. But he said, I'm immortal until my work is done. Hallelujah. Amen. So Psalm 139 verse 16, it says this in the Message Bible. Like an open book, you have watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. That's David. Isn't that amazing? Every day ordained for me is written in your book of life. God has got a plan for you. Amen? So our futures are good. And as far as you know, our lives, Peter tells us in Second Peter, he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. In other words, God is concerned with what concerns us. What matters to you matters to him. Is that okay? You know, the housewife who's at home and she wants to sew something and can't get the thread through the eye of the needle because, you know, and it really is an irritation and it worries you. And God is even concerned about that. You understand what I'm saying? Every little frustration, he's not untouched by the feelings of our infirmity. That's why he was a physical, a human being priest, so he could identify with us. Amen? So everything that concerns us concerns him. And he's not absent because of the ascension. He's present. He's with us. Jesus said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you, never forsake you, even to the end of the age. And the end of the age, he was talking about AD 70 with the disciples. But for us, we can take it to the end of this age or our age because this world is not going to end. Okay, good. And so I like Psalm 138 verse 8. It says this, finish what you started in me, O God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit now. Is that good? Don't quit. God, don't quit on me. Don't quit. Thirdly, not only our future, he's with us in all of our adversity. I love it. Romans 8, 27 and 28. Listen to this. Message Bible says he knows us better than we know ourselves. Wow. How well do you know? Uh, Never mind. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows, listen to this, he knows our pregnant condition. In other words, that thing that we are groaning for, the longings that we travail with. He knows that, the deepest longings of our heart. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. I mean, that's powerful. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't understand how, how is God going to work something good out of this? But I want to tell you, you know, the longer I serve him, the more clever I discover God actually is. You know, he's pretty clever. He's a lot cleverer than me. And, you know, because a lot of times I think I'm really very clever. And then I find out actually how dwarf I am compared to, compared to you know, God's incredible wisdom. It's amazing. But listen to Psalm 56 verse 8. It says, you have kept track of my every toss and turn through sleepless nights. Each tear entered into your ledger, each ache written into your book. Now, I said something last week that's become a little bit of a catchphrase. Remember, you know, how many times have you heard people say, fake it till you make it? And then last week I said, faith it till you make it. 
And uh, quite a few people are repeating that back to me now. And uh, so it's become a catchphrase. So let's faith it till we make it. Amen. Let's make a decision to believe because he's with us through every adversity. Jesus is with us. He painstakingly, David says, it's another translation, says every tear he's captured in his bottle of remembrance. That's how much you mean to him. Every secret tear, silent tear, the tears that have slid down your face while you're lying alone in bed at night, whatever it is, he's kept that in his bottle of remembrance. So God is not untouched by our feelings of our infirmities with us in our adversity. Incredible. You know, if only somehow we could change all of these other feelings so that when we're going through hard times that we can still feel him. You know, it's amazing how when things are good and we're in church and it's hallelujah and everything like that, we can feel him. But when things are difficult, we don't feel him. Yet there's a sense in which he's more present with us in our adversity than in the good times. You know, Andre has done that study in the Hebrew from Hebrew scholars. You can chat him about it. That they say it's literally true that whenever we're going through things, God is literally carrying us. Isn't that amazing? And that's why the Bible says underneath are the everlasting arms. He's before us, he's beside us, behind us, he's above us, he's beneath us, he's in us, he's around us, he's near us. And I don't know why it is when we go through tough times, we run away. We run away from God, we run away from church, we run away from, we don't want to read the Bible, we don't want to pray. You know, we should be running to, not from. Amen? If we understood that he's with us in our adversity. So, I don't want to carry on too long. So, he's with us in our adversity and his purpose, number four, that I see because you can even see it with Jesus, the maturity of Jesus, how he matured in the things of God. You can see how his understanding of his purpose grew from the beginning of his ministry to the end. In the beginning, he doesn't talk much about the cross, but the closer he comes to the end of three and a half years ministry, more and more he begins to understand and he teaches, you know, the scriptures say that I must be handed over to the leaders and I must be crucified, and I will rise again on the third day. And he began to say it plainly. He began to understand. You can see the maturity in spirit because, you know, in John chapter 5, he just gets this revelation, and he says, those who are dead will hear my voice and rise from the dead. And the disciples are like, wow. And he said, you know, one day, everyone will hear my voice and be raised from the dead. And so six chapters later, in John chapter 11, the dead hears his voice, Lazarus, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, proving, therefore, that the day will come when everyone who's died in Christ will hear his voice and rise from the dead. Amen? And so he grew in an understanding of his authority and power. He grew so much in the understanding of it that he said, they're not going to take my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I've got the power to take it up again. You know? And so... All the way through, we see Jesus' growth and maturity into full sonship. So we got to understand, we got to have hope, you know, which comes out of the ascension of Jesus to a position now where he's ministering and ever lives to intercede for us and be our high priest, that we will grow up. We will come into full maturity, full sonhood. Is that right? Fullness in Christ. It is a possibility. Because of what Jesus did. Now, just as we close, um, there's just a couple of things that I want to mention. All of these things 
don't only depend on Jesus, they also depend on us. They don't all depend on Jesus. We like to, oh, well, I'll just wait and see what Jesus will do. How about you do some things? You know, he hasn't done this yet. Well, what haven't you done that he hasn't done? We're very good at abdicating responsibility. You know, blame shifting came from Adam and Eve, you know. Adam passed it down to Eve. Eve looked around for the devil, blamed the devil. The devil looked around and couldn't find anyone lower in the pecking order to blame. So he gets blamed for a lot of things that he's actually not responsible for. Amen? And so we need to take responsibility because of the ascension. So number one, we need to make God our priority. Is that okay? God mustn't be an attachment to our Christian lives. It's amazing how many Christians, you know, they're Christians without any Christ-likeness. You know, they're Christians without any works. They're Christians without reading their Bibles. They're Christians without going to church. They're Christians without this whole countries that call themselves Christians, and if you listen to their language, you would think they were all sailors, the way they flook, you know, (laughs) and the way they talk. If you watch their lifestyles, they live no differently to unbelievers. So come on, we need to make God our priority. God needs to be a priority in our lives. He needs to have, have staked a claim to our lives that we've surrendered and given to him. In other words, the lordship of Jesus needs to be a reality in our lives. Is that okay? What he says, we do. What he commands and instructs, we do. What he tells us and how he tells us to live, that's the way we live. That's the way we speak. That's the way we behave. That's the way we think. Number two, you know, we always want God to build us, build our house, build our lives. Well, how about you build his house? His house. How about you build his house and his house? You know, do something, serve him, help establish the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. 99% of Christians treat God as an ATM. You know, I can just, I just want to put a quick prayer in, and I want to, you know, he must just gush out, you know, millions. You know, he must fall off his throne to get out to help me, to do something for me. You know, we need to invest time. We need to invest energy and effort. We need to invest money into the kingdom of God and walk the way Jesus walked in order to live the life Jesus lived, in order to fulfill the purposes for our lives that Jesus wants us to. Is that okay? So that's the second thing. We all got the message. And so we need to build his house. And then daily, daily steps of obedience. Daily walking with him in obedience. I love this. Uh, Paul says this. I referred to it earlier. 2 Timothy 4.8. In the future... There is reserved for me the victor's crown, the victor's crown of righteousness, for being right with God and doing right. Amplified translation. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that great day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved and longed for and welcomed his appearing or his return. See, for being right with God and doing right. Church, we've got to live right and do right. So daily steps of obedience, daily steps of obedience. You know, it's true. You know, there was a time I knocked it, you know, the WWJD bracelets. You know, what would Jesus do? But there are times that that is really applicable. There's times when you need to really ask yourself, you're in a situation and you feel that you're going to revert to the former John. (laughs) You know, the old 
BC, John, you know, the old version, before you got the upgrade, <laughs> the firmware upgrade, you know, sometimes you're going to default to that. And then you've got to challenge yourself. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus think? So daily steps of obedience. What would the Lord have me do now? A lot of it is plain and evident. You just got to read the Bible. A lot of it you don't need the Holy Spirit for. Just read the word and do it. That, the doing part you need the Holy Spirit for. But you don't need a prophecy. You don't need a word from God. Do what the word says. Yeah. Number four, I put this in. Walk sensibly. Walk sensibly. You know, some people want to fulfill God's purpose for their lives, but then they act like hooligans. Drive like hooligans. Living dangerously. You know, walk sensibly. Eat the right food. Have the right diet. And all of those kinds of things. We need to look after ourselves. Is, are you all good? Yes. Yeah. You've got one body that you're going to live in. And if you mistreat it and abuse it, it's not going to last long. And there's a lot of Christians who've died because they were not sensible with their physical bodies. I remember Annalise van Rensburg is a conundrum and uh, not afraid of anybody. And uh, one day they had one of these great American preachers out there preaching phenomenal, phenomenal teacher of the word. I mean, just incredibly amazing. But six foot six high and six foot 16 wide. <laughs> and uh, he would sit down and eat a whole cake himself. And I'm not kidding you. And basically, all he wanted was burgers and Coke. Now, I mean, I really love Coke, but I have to limit myself because it's not good for you. You know what I'm saying? And burgers, burgers are awesome, especially Rocker Mamas. I can highly recommend them. But I, for myself, I've got to leave the top and the bottom off and just eat the middle, you know, uh, because the top and the bottom just hurts my body. So I've got to, be, I've got to listen to my body. But we need to take care of us. We need to walk sensibly. You can't abuse, not even medicine. It's amazing. I had to, the financial advisor that's helping me, he's, he's made some adjustments. And anyway, they, Brightrock phoned me. This is advertisement for Brightrock. I want a discount on my premium, please. <laughs> and, um, but it was, it was really amazing, the questions they asked you. And a lot of it is just plain common sense. You know, how much alcohol do you drink? How much do you smoke? And all that kind of thing. I said, I'm trying to reduce both. <laughs> <laughs> because they knew it was pasta, you know, so, so I was teasing the guy. So I said, no, it's zero, zero. And so, you know, a lot of it is common sense stuff. Are you looking after your body? Are you abusing your body? You know, how do we live recklessly or do we live sensibly? Amen. When you're driving, if you get a sense that there's a danger ahead, listen to the Holy Spirit. Andre was just reminding me of a story a little while ago. They were driving somewhere, long road. I don't know if it was to Durban or whatever. But it, and he was just maintaining his speed, and then suddenly he took his foot off the accelerator and slowed right down. And uh, Tanya turned around him and said to him, and now why are you slowing down? He says, I don't know. The, I just felt this danger now to slow down. Just then, I think it was a, a wheel came off a truck or something like this, and it, it shot across the road right where they would have been if he had not slowed down. So that brings me to the last point. Not only living sensibly, but living by the Spirit. And that is the season that we're in where we're talking about the precious Holy Spirit. Amen. Where we live according to his impulses, his directives, his instructions. The Holy Spirit doesn't only have a voice. The Holy Spirit has a feeling. His feelings. And sometimes you get a feeling without him saying anything. 
And we need to learn to be sensitive even to his feelings. Is that okay? And there's a mood that you can pick up of the Spirit. If I, the Holy Spirit's not moody, but there's a mood of the Spirit. And especially when you're ministering as well. If you walk up to someone and the Holy Spirit will be sensitive to that person. And if that person is a little bit cautious and doesn't want to become a spectacle or to be made a public figure or something, the Holy Spirit in you will tell you. You will get a sense of. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes he speaks, and sometimes we feel what he feels. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, I long for you with the very affections of Christ. In other words, I feel what he feels. Amen? And so to walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and a lot of, a major component of walking by the Spirit is walking in love. You walk in love for people, you are walking in the Spirit. Is that all right? And then, of course, there is the realm of the Spirit, you know, in pneumatica, you know, in the Holy Spirit, where you are in the Spirit, where you can hear and you can see and sense and feel. And we need to walk in the Spirit. Then we will accomplish the things that God has for us. Is that good? So, number one, we need to make God a priority. And uh, this is what I'm taking out of the ascension for myself. We need to make God a priority. Number one, yes. Oh, I need to finish the Annalise story. So she was telling this guy, the six foot six, six foot 16 guy, she got in the car and she said, you know, you are so valuable to the kingdom, but we're going to lose you before your time. And he was going, oh, Annalise, you know, howdy doody, you know. And uh, she had him in the car. And on the way from the church up to the house when they still lived in Stilfontein, there was a traffic circle there. And she started going around the traffic circle, just going round and round and round and round the traffic circle. And he's going like, oh, you're making me feel dizzy and sick. She says, we're going to keep going around this traffic circle until you promise me that you're going to take care of yourself physically. Until eventually he felt so gnar from going around and around the circle. He said, okay, okay, okay. Well, he said, good. Then she took the exit and took him home. No, she's not a lady you mess with. Another preacher came, preaches on healing and all kinds of things. And also just burgers and coke. And uh, she also said to him, don't you want a salad or some vegetables? This is always what you eat. No, this is what I eat, and I walk in divine health. She said, really? It's not going to be for long. It's not going to be for long. So what she did, she went and made a whole lot of more burgers and stacked it on his plate, and she went and got all the Cokes, sent some students up to, and she, she just surrounded him with Cokes. She said, well, if you're going to kill yourself, you might as well do it quickly. <laughs> so I'm helping you. She said, eat the burgers, drink the Coke, get off the planet, and we'll carry on. So living sensibly. Is that okay? So is that a good story? Uh, all right. So amen. So this evening, this evening, we remember the ascension. So what claim, what claim of lordship does Jesus put on our life? What claim of lordship and how do we respond? Let's stand together. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want you to turn and look at the person next to you and say, you're going to make it. You're going to fulfill your purpose. God has got a certain predetermined plan for your life. Someone tell that person you're going to come through all your adversities. You're going to come through it all. He's bringing you through triumphantly. Tell him. Tell the person next to you, say, you're going to really grow up. (laughs) Come on. Full stature. Full measure of Christ. Amen. (laughs) Full stature. Full measure of Christ. All right. So let's make a confession. I will make God my priority. I will seek first his kingdom. I will build his house. And I will walk in daily steps of obedience to Him. I will walk sensibly, live sensibly, 
and I will walk in the Spirit every day of my life. I will endeavor to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let's just raise our hands. Lord, we want to just thank you that your ascension means so much to us. We bless you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anywhere in this message tonight that you felt God speak to you, and I'm speaking to those watching by live stream as well, anywhere where there was a, yeah, that, that applies. Right now, just respond and say, Lord, I'm responding to this word because this is an important time, an important day that we're in. And Lord, I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? Would you come and help us? Would you come and remind us? Lord, through the rest of the week and go, weekend and going on, would you remind us of these points and how we've responded? Lord, read our hearts. We're saying, yes, Lord. Now, Lord, the reason why you came, Holy Spirit, was to help us to walk alongside us, to be our paracletos, our comforter. And we give you full permission to speak to us, to impart to us your sense of feeling, of what we should be doing. Remind us, illumine our minds, bring scriptures back to, into our hearts and minds, and then help us to live it. Holy Spirit, we're imploring you tonight for your help because we want to walk as Christ did. We want to fulfill our purpose as He did. We want to extend the kingdom of God as he did we want to fulfill like David like Jesus like Moses like Noah in our generation the things that you have planned for us Lord we thank you for it in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit we lean on you we trust in you we rely on you we need you Holy Spirit without you we are absolutely weak we are absolutely fruitless we just cannot do it Holy Spirit tonight we want to declare afresh our total dependence on you. We do not want to lean on the arm of the flesh, but we want to walk in the Spirit in the name of Jesus. And all the saints agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So thank you for coming. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord cause you to be in peace, to be in health. The Lord cause you and bless you to be prosperous, joy-filled, faithful. The Lord give you even a gift of faith so that you can faith it till you make it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you for coming.